Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the scriptures. Thank you that you speak through them faithfully and consistently to us through your spirit. So we pray, Holy Spirit, be in the room, be in our hearts, be in our imagination, and leap off the pages of the scripture to transform us as you long to. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm just going to juggle those Bibles around there, and I'm going to begin with a couple of stories to try and illustrate um, what love may or may not be. Um, The first story comes from uh, Prime Minister Gladstone back in the day, who was announcing the death of Princess Alice in the House of Commons, and he told a touching story. The little daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. The doctors told the princess not to kiss her little daughter and endanger her own life by breathing the child's breath. But once when the child was struggling to breathe, the mother, forgetting herself entirely, took the little one into her arms to keep her from choking to death. Rasping and struggling for her life, the child said, Mama, kiss me. And without thinking of herself, the mother tenderly kissed her daughter. She also got diphtheria and some days later went to be forever with the Lord. A mother's love comforting her daughter even at the cost of her own life. And here's a a contrasting story. I was attending a junior stock show when a grand champion lamb owned by a little girl was being auctioned. As the bids reached $5 per pound, the little girl standing beside the lamb in the arena began to cry. At $10, the tears were streaming down her face and she clasped her arms tightly around the lamb's neck. The bids rose and the more she cried. Finally, a local businessman brought the lamb for more than $1,000, but then announced that he was donating it to the little girl. The crowd applauded and cheered. Months later, the writer says, I was judging some statewide essays when I came across one from a girl who told about the time that her grand champion lamb had been auctioned. The prices began to get so high during the bidding, she wrote, that I started to cry from happiness. She continued with, the man who bought the lamb for so much more than I ever dreamed would ever get returned the lamb to me. And when I got it home, Daddy barbecued the lamb, and it was really delicious. (laughs) Which goes to show that um, what you might think of being love is not always love. Uh, Love can often be a sort of self-centered emotion, can't it? This passage, um, you will have, if you've been here the last few weeks, a sense of deja vu, because it feels like John writing this is just rhapsodying around a theme and it's this sort of theme that God loves us and he doesn't ever get beyond it and it the fact that we get deja vu is important because it draws us again to think do I really know that God loves me and if he loves me what on earth does that actually mean for me Uh, we're always drawn back in this passage to this central Now, verse 7 immediately uh, grounds the call to mutual love in the claim that love comes from God, and those who love are God's children and know God. Let's have a look at it. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Um, And it says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves. And you sort of think to yourself, fantastic. So that's sort of Bridget Jones sauntering down the road at the end of the film. Ah, she now knows God. She's been born of God. Or is it that she uh, 
just decided uh, between Hugh Grant and the other fellow and, uh, and felt sort of in a sort of rhapsody there. Well, that's not uh, what this passage is talking about because it then goes on to define uh, what love is. It defines it in, in a negative to begin with. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You sort of think, oh, crikey. If I don't love, I can't possibly know God. And then it says exactly what love is in verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sends his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The love that God is talking about, the love that it says defines God, is the sort of love that will send an only son to die for people who didn't love him to pay the price for their sins. God is love. Love is self-sacrificial, a giving of yourself to the other. Anyone who loves has been born of God. You see, it's not actually completely in our nature to love sacrificially for someone who doesn't like us, is it? Even someone who does like us, when you rub up against them the wrong way, it's like, Aah! have you ever had one of those moments? Someone you thought you were quite good mates with or friends with, and suddenly you clash into them, you're like, ah, I want to do it my way. And uh, God says, love is the love that helps you to sacrifice yourself exactly in the way that Jesus did. Um, now, if we, if we carry on through the passages, it, it says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And you think, well, you've set the bar very, very high here because incredible that God can love like that, that Jesus can give his life for us. Um, but if that's how you're defining love, then that probably means more than me just signing a card to someone or giving them a platitude uh, or a little pat on their back or a, you know, a smile occasionally. What does it mean for me or for you to sacrificially love one another as a congregation gathered here or if you're listening in uh, online later on to, to love the Christians around you? What does it mean to sacrificially love like that? And he... He then adds to this by saying that what your love does will demonstrate something incredible to the world. He says this, no one has ever seen God, which is a, you know, a fair point in today's world. Um, some people claim to have great visions of God, but basically we don't get to see God face to face like they did in the time of Jesus. But, he says, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, when you love sacrificially, people will see God. He lives in us. That's why we get that strange verse that we, we mentioned in the, earlier on. In this world, we are like Jesus. If God lives in us, if his love lives in us, we are like Jesus. And you say, well, in all honesty, my self-assessment is that I come 
a long way short of being like Jesus. Now, I hope that's probably true for you. Um, Anything less than that is a sort of borderline crazy arrogance. Um, We we, we fall short of Jesus' standards. But how can we possibly know or how can we have any confidence that he is living in us and that some of this love at least is getting out from the tight container of our lives, which, which sort of keeps some of it away from him? He's given us this love. He is love. He lives in us. Uh, And some of that love escapes. And sometimes we can do self-sacrificial love in a way that we wouldn't have imagined being able to do before. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you will have found uh, that you will be less selfish than you were for a while. If you're finding that you're more selfish, then you probably need to spend more time with him because the essence of God is to give away of yourself to other people. That's what Jesus does for you. How can we have any confidence that this is going along? Because if you, if you do your internal report cards, often we think, oh, I'm rubbish at this. And um, this is what verse 11, uh, verse 13 and 14 say. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us the spirit. So if you've got the Holy Spirit, then there's a guarantee that he who is love is living in you. It's interchangeable. You say, Holy Spirit come. You could say, love come. Love of God come. How do you know if you've got the Holy Spirit? Thankfully, he answers that one for us as well. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges this truth, that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. The Holy Spirit in you will proclaim to your heart, to your consciousness, to your inner being, that Jesus Christ has been sent to the world as the saviour of the world, and he is the son of God. Not just the saviour of the world, but the saviour of you. So if you can say that Jesus is my saviour, that he is the saviour of the world, that he is the son of God, you can only say that, as Paul says elsewhere, by the Holy Spirit. So this is the examination, not how good am I? How do I score myself on my own niceness levels? Because we all start with different niceness levels. Some people are really nice before they become a Christian. <laughs> this, is, this is what you score yourself on. Do I believe he's the son of God? Do I believe he's the savior of the world? Do I believe God sent him for me? Have I trusted in him? Is he my God? And if those hold true, they can only hold true, the Bible says, because of miracles happened in you. The Holy Spirit himself has revealed to you what you couldn't possibly have worked out for yourself. So if you believe he's the son of God, if you believe he's the savior of the world, if you believe that he died for you, paid the price for you, and loves you, you are de facto someone who has the Holy Spirit in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you also have the love of God in you because they're one and the same thing. And if you have the love of God in you, it's going to spill out. And if it spills out, it will look like self-sacrificial love. God is love, he repeats again. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 
It's like a crescendo, isn't it? It's like, just walk more in the way of love, you'll get more God. Whoever lives in love lives in God. You're like, but sometimes I don't really feel like God's very much part of my life. We say, well, are you living out the love, which is the way he wants to go? Artie Kendall tells a lovely story about the Holy Spirit. He, he, he picks on the fact that the Holy Spirit is often described as a turtle dove, which is a bird which is renowned for being easily scared away. He says, when you're cross and angry in a house where a turtle dove is, is, uh, is residing on the roof, it will notice and it will fly away. And now uh, you don't get the benefit of that dove just sort of sitting there on the house. Now, Christian, you have to understand that if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. It's an engagement ring. It's a seal. You, you don't lose the fundamental identity of having the Holy Spirit. But you can walk in step with the Spirit or walk against the Spirit. You can grieve the Spirit. Or you can walk in love. And he's saying, look, walk in love and you'll know God more. Follow a way of love, you'll know God more. Sacrifice more of yourself, you'll know God more. Because that's the identity of God. And it's fundamentally the identity of you if you become a Christian. Because his love is in you. And the more that you can be in harmony with this self-griving, loving God, the more you you're going to be. The less of the old you you'll be, and the more of the new you you'll be. Does that make sense? If you walk with God, more and more of him fills you, and that's actually what you want deep down in your life. There's a bit of you that says, I just want Netflix. I just want Facebook. I just want to do things my way. I don't care about anyone else. I just want me. I just want everything to work out for me. But that's not the bit of you that you want to be nurturing. Because this whole love in you that's like, I just love God and I want to love his people. And that's the bit you fan into flame to become the you you really want to be on a good day. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. So, okay. Um, I get this. Um, more love, more God. If I believe in Jesus, then I've got the Spirit. I've therefore got love. I get it. But give, give me another test. Give me another barometer to know if I'm walking the right way. How, how do I know if I've grieved the Spirit? How do I know if I'm fallen away a bit? And verse 18 helps us there. It says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. In particular, in the previous verse, it says we have confidence on the day of judgment. There's no fear of judgment in love. There's no fear of abandonment. There's no fear of isolation. There's no fear of being forgotten. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears... Is not made perfect in love. So you say to me, well, actually, to be honest, fear often assaults me. Sometimes I'm not confident about tomorrow 
I'm definitely not always confident about my eternal tomorrow. What can I do about that? Well, the remedy is, is very simple. If you believe in Jesus, if you trust him as your savior, as the son of God, walk in the way of love. And there won't be room for those fears that assault you. You walk with Jesus. You see, there's a a thin veil, I guess, between this world and the next. And some people walk into the next world as a continuity of this life. They're used to walking with God, so going into a world where God is not veiled, it's just the most natural step. And other people have been hiding their eyes from light. And when they face the light, it blinds them. Be those who are used to the light, and fear will be far away. As love stirs up in you, you're made perfect in love.